everybody loves the touchdown. Throws to the back of the end zone, and it is caught for a touchdown by Holmes. The grand slam. Fly ball to center field. Ethier has done it again. It's a grand slam. The buzzer beater. Gets it to LeBron for three for the win. Yes! But how did those players get to that moment? And who built the venue and signed the contracts? Each week, we dig into the business side of sports and give you the answers. This is Sports Business Radio. Come on, boy, boy, can you get it up? Now, from our studios in Portland, Oregon, with Sports Business Radio, here's your host, Brian Berger. Well, thanks for checking out the only show in the country dedicated to covering the business side of sports. Glad you could join us. I'm going to apologize up front. Been fighting a cold this week, so my voice is... Even more nasally than normal, but uh, we'll get through this show. In our next segment, it's the Sports Business Radio headlines of the week. How many people tuned in to watch the BCS National Championship game between Oregon and Auburn? We have those numbers for you. We've got some other headlines. We'll share those with you in our next segment. In segment three, the NFL playoffs are underway. Lots of big business around the playoffs, whether it's TV ratings, attendance, and other numbers. We'll break those down with you in segment three. Then in segment four, Rachel Barbeau. She is with Tide Sports Extra. She covers the University of Alabama. She also covers Auburn. She is very, very in tune with what's going on in college football. We'll discuss some topics with her, including the BCS Championship game. We'll take a look back at that with Rachel Barbeau coming up in segment four couple of other notes. Visit my Sports Business blog or download the SBR podcast on demand. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com. Hey, we're embracing social media, Twitter, Facebook. You can find the icons on the homepage of sportsbusinessradio.com. Drop me a tweet sometime, at SB Radio. Brian Griggs, did you watch the national championship game? I know you did. What were your thoughts? Wow, I'm a Duck fan, so it was a heartbreaker, but uh, Auburn played a good game, and it was fun. I mean, it was the big stage. It was exciting seeing the game and my team involved in it, so it was fun. It was enjoyable. Didn't like the outcome, but hey, great game, enjoyable. One of the things we're going to talk about in our next segment, Nike versus Under Armour. That was also part of the battle on Championship Monday. That's coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. This is SBR, back with more after this. Brian Berger from Sports Business Radio. I know many of our listeners dream of a job in the sports industry but don't know where to begin. To me, it's an easy call. Go where sports business education got its start, at the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. As the first business school in the country to offer undergraduate and graduate programs themed around this multi-billion dollar industry, the Warsaw Center offers a unique blend and strong general business training sports business curriculum taught by industry experts, and rich out-of-classroom experiences, including real-world consulting projects, study tours, and internships. With a strong industry and alumni network and a staff dedicated to accelerating your career, the Warsaw Center has a proven track record of placing students in teams, league offices, corporate sponsors, marketing agencies, sports media, and sports shoe and apparel firms. But like any elite team, there's only a few spots on the roster. To learn more, visit sportsbusinessradio.com for a link to the center's website. The Warsaw Sports Marketing Center. Passion, integrity, and leadership in sports business education. 
It's time, baby. Special news bulletin. At Sports Business Radio, we're always on top of what's happening in the world of sports. And each week, we break down the stories you need to know about. This is Headlines. I want to be in the headlines. On Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio. It's time for this week's Sports Business Radio headline, sponsored by the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. Visit WarsawCenter.com for more information. Headline number one, BCS National Championship game last Monday night between Auburn and Oregon. 15.3 rating, 27.3 million viewers, making it the highest rated and most viewed program in the history of cable Television, Griggs. Among BCS championship games over the last decade, only Texas USC had a better rating than this game. Lots of people tuning in. Here's some numbers for you. In Portland, 37.5% of the homes were tuned in to this game. In Birmingham, 67% of TVs tuned into this game. But New York, the number one media market in the country, Dead last out of 56 measured Nielsen markets, 8.1%. So basically what that tells me is you've got two teams that aren't from big markets, and the people in New York, they didn't really care about this game. Crazy and uh, not, you know, not unbelievable when you, when you think about it. And uh, it just totally shows the SEC dominance. I mean, that place, that area of the country is all about college football. I mean, it's, it's just, I mean, they, in Oregon, over here, it's crazy because it's like the first time in 114 years the Ducks have been there. And you think 37%, but 60, I mean, they just killed it down there. Unbelievable. So for five BCS game telecasts, ESPN averaged a 9.6 U.S. rating, 16.7 million viewers. That's down 11.9 and 13.2% respectively from last year. So don't forget, this is the first year that ESPN had all of the BCS games. Last year, they were on Fox, and then ABC had the Rose Bowl. So it kind of brings back the argument Network TV versus cable TV. I always say, look, there's a lot of people that watch cable TV. Most everyone has ESPN in their house. But you can still tell by these numbers, Griggs, that Fox has more people watching. I guess 20% of the country has access to ESPN. When it's not everyone, you're going to see the numbers drop like we did with this. Yeah, but I think it's something that... It's such a big game, and I think more and more people are going to... It's just going to grow. I mean, cable's just going to get bigger. ESPN's just going to get bigger. You know, they got all the BCS games. They got all the, the tennis majors. I mean, they're, they're taking over. Eventually, everybody's going to... If you're going to see it, you're going to have to get cable. Well, as we told you last week, they're on the verge of paying $2 billion to renew their contract with the NFL for Monday Night Football. So they believe that their audience is going to grow as well. Meanwhile, sponsorship measurement from Joyce Julius found that Under Armour received nearly $1.8 million of in-broadcast exposure value during the game telecast from Auburn coach Gene Chizik, who had logos on his jacket and his collar. And then $1.4 million of exposure, 2 minutes and 28 seconds, from the Nike logos worn on the visor and the shirt of Oregon coach Chip Kelly. So, you know, one of the things that was interesting was... The buildup with Nike, who is in, you know, with Oregon and Under Armour, who's with Auburn. They unveiled new merchandise. You had Nike throwing parties and putting their digitized logo on the side of Camelback Mountain in Phoenix. And they pulled out all the stops. But sadly, at the end of the day, 
these players were slipping and sliding all over that field, Griggs. And I think there are some people that say, wow, was it the field or was it the cleats? The uniforms looked really cool. I think a lot of people uh, had thoughts on the the glow-in-the-dark Oregon socks that they wore. But people were talking about the uniforms, and that's what Nike wants. But the on-the-field slipperiness, was uh, it was apparent. Yeah, very apparent, and uh, it did. It felt like kind of one of those blooper reels where it's like every time somebody cut, whoop, there he goes, you know. And then of course you got college when then when they go down, they're down. I mean, so a lot of plays didn't happen like they were supposed to because these guys were down in the backfield because they took the first cut and it was over. So you know, it's interesting. We'll close the books on the BCS highest ticket price. Average ticket prices, we told you last week, sold out game. From that standpoint, a success. And as we just told you, the most watched television program in the history of cable TV. I still think there should be a playoff, and we'll talk about that more coming up in segment four with Rachel Barbeau, who covers the SEC and is with Tide Sports Extra. Our next headline Andrew Luck decides to stay at Stanford. LaMichael James is staying at Oregon. You know, I tweeted, I thought if Luck stayed at Stanford, it's one of the worst decisions a college athlete has ever made financially. You can talk about, uh, you know, wanting to stay in school, the social aspects, fine. I have no problem with that. But when you look at the fact that this could be the last year where the number one pick, and Luck would have been the number one pick, would get a $50 million plus signing bonus because there might be a rookie cap in the future. I think it's a terrible mistake. What if he blows his knee out this next year? If it's five to ten million dollars, fine, stay in school. When you're talking about fifty million dollars, come on. If your ultimate goal is to go to the NFL, go now. You can always go back to school later. Sports Business Radio's own Josh Blank was at the BCS National Championship game, and in the press conference after the game, he asked Cam Newton from Auburn about his future plans. Hi, Cam. Josh Blank, Sports Business Radio. How does the outcome of this game affect your decision to turn pro, and when? what is your timeline for making that decision? Uh, honestly, you know, I just, I'm not going to make no decision right now. It's something I have to sit down with Coach Chiswick and my family uh, and, and just get the vibe of, of so many different people. Um, and, you know, we'll go from there. Griggs. I will be stunned, just as I was with Andrew Luck, if Cam Newton decides to come back. He won the Heisman Trophy. He won the national championship. He's got this cloud of controversy that surrounds him. There's no reason to come back. So I would be very surprised if he doesn't declare for the NFL draft in the very near future. Yeah, I think both those players, especially Andrew Luck, I mean, that guy is NFL ready. I mean, he looks like an NFL quarterback. He plays like an NFL quarterback. Newton, of course, is just massive. I mean, even the guys in the NFL are going to have a hard time taking him down. So, yeah, I think both of them. Yeah, I I would see, see both of them playing very well in the NFL soon. Our next headline, the proposed AEG football stadium in L.A. is very close to a stadium naming rights deal with Farmers Insurance, in which the company will pay at least $400 million over 20 years if the deal is consummated. This is according to SI.com's Peter King. This is interesting, Griggs, because if you can get this deal done, there's a lot of the money that you need to build this stadium. And if the deal doesn't happen... It's great PR exposure for farmers in the meantime. Hey, the deal didn't happen, but farmers is being mentioned on shows like this one right now. I think it's a great investment by farmers. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. It's still stunning to me that the nation's number two media market, Los Angeles, doesn't have NFL football. Yeah, that is shocking. I mean, they've got, you know, 
500 NBA teams, it seems like, but no NFL team. And what a great market. I mean, NFL would do awesome down there. I would just think weather's good. I mean, it would just be a great place for NFL. Our next headline, Golf World's Ron Sirak reports, IMG wants to add three deals this year to Tiger Woods' portfolio of sponsors. The first goal is to sell the spot on his golf bag that's currently occupied by the logo for Nike's Tiger Woods line. Sources indicate that talks are also hot with an Asia-based company. And the trickiest part of these talks, reportedly, is not so much the money involved as the time Woods must commit to fulfill corporate obligations. Now, Tiger goes and plays in tournaments abroad. He gets payments just for showing up. So he could finish dead last, but he's getting money for just appearing because it's generating ticket sales and and things like that. But it's going to be interesting. You know, we heard last week EA Sports kind of said once again, we support Tiger Woods. Nike has hung in there with Tiger Woods. He's lost a number of deals, but I'll be very interested to see if he signs some new deals this year. And are they U.S.-based company? Are they Asia-based companies? Who are they? Yeah, good point. I think you will see Tiger start to sign more deals. And I just I just got to believe his game's going to get better, too. I think he's starting to put stuff behind him, and I think he's going to start focusing more on the golf game. And when that happens, you're going to start getting a little endorsement start trickling in. Well, he's got nowhere to go but up because he didn't win one tournament in 2010. Our last headline of the week, Carmelo Anthony. Let me give you my thoughts on this. This is basically a game of chicken. You've got the Nuggets who want to trade him so they get something for him and not nothing. If they don't get anything for him, then he can leave on his own as a free agent. You've got Carmelo Anthony who wants $65 million as a three-year deal. If he just leaves as a free agent, you have no idea what he's going to get because of a new collective bargaining agreement. I think the Nuggets are going to end up trading him to the Knicks because they know that's the only team that Carmelo will sign an extension with, not the Nets or anyone else. Maybe the Bulls, but probably the Knicks. And I think look for the Knicks and the Nuggets to consummate some sort of a deal before the February trade deadline. All right, coming up next, it's NFL playoff season. Huge TV numbers. The coaching carousel is in full turn. It's an NFL bonanza. Coming up next, you're listening to Sports Business Radio. This is Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. More of the show is coming up. Looks like the right way. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. It's no secret that we're battling a tough economy these days. It's more difficult than ever for companies to position their brand in a unique way and reach their target audience. Sports Business Radio can help you, though. Sports Business Radio is syndicated in markets nationwide. Our popular podcast is regularly rated in the top 100 business news podcasts on iTunes and has listeners around the world. But our radio network and podcast aren't the only places your company will receive exposure when you join our family of sponsors. We'll also give you exposure via sportsbusinessradio.com and at our new Sports Executive Speaker Series events, which feature a conversation with a key decision maker from the world of sports in front of a live audience. And best of all, we can expose your product to the big-name guests that appear on our show. We'd love to have you on our team. Please contact me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com or at 503-701-2215 if you're interested in becoming a sponsor of Sports Business Radio. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. Well, the NFL playoffs are in full swing, and if the leaders of the NFL, the owners, and the players need any insight as to how devastating a work stoppage would be, all they need to do is look at the numbers of viewers 
from last weekend's wild card playoffs on TV. An average of 32.3 million viewers watched NFL games last weekend. Griggs, the most ever for an NFL wild card weekend, and a 7% increase from last season. Basically, 39.3 million people watched Packers Eagles, 33.4 watched Jets Colts, 28.5 watched Ravens Chiefs, and 28.4 watched Saints Seahawks. Those are enormous numbers. As we told you earlier, they're bigger than numbers for the BCS National Championship game. These are numbers that really fall short of only the Super Bowl when you're talking about it. So the popularity of the NFL has never been greater. I expect this weekend's games to maybe even top the numbers that we just gave. The NFL and the players have got to figure out a way to continue to play football. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, it's NFL is just what makes it so special is you got that you lose, you go home. So it's like every single play, every quarter, every minute is so important because it could be the end of the season for these guys. And you've got marquee players that are still playing, your Tom Brady's and your Big Ben's and the household names. And then you've got some coaches. You've got uh, Rex Ryan, who is a, a soundbite waiting to happen in the largest media market in the country. You've got you know Bill Belichick. You've got the war of words with Cromartie and Brady this week. So it's intriguing. You've got the enormous matchups, Ravens-Steelers, that are just really physical battles. And you look ahead to next week, if you have a matchup like a Bears-Packers, which is the oldest rivalry in the NFL for the conference championship with the rights to go to the Super Bowl, it makes it even more intriguing. So it really has become must-see TV. The numbers are going through the roof. You're getting good attendance at the games. But I think with HDTV, as we've talked in the past, these TV numbers are record-setting, and they're only going to get better, I think, as we advance in the playoffs this year. It's just exciting. And, and like you said, HDTV, you got the, the camera angles. you got so many different sideline stories going on. You've got so much information coming to you while you're watching the game at home. And, of course, if you're there, it's unbelievable. I mean, NFL playoff action live is second to none. And here we are in the Pacific Northwest the Seahawks with a stunning upset of the Saints last week. And I'll tell you what, Marshawn Lynch, his run literally caused a movement on the Richter scale up in Seattle, Griggs. Those fans up there are amongst the most rabid in the NFL. That run was short of a Bo Jackson run. That was one of the most spectacular runs I've ever seen. And they went crazy after that, and really a, a stunning upset. So, you know, it kind of goes back to the On Any Given Sunday, the movie. On any given Sunday, one team in the playoffs can beat another team, and that's one of the things, the parody of the NFL, that makes the playoffs so exciting. And that's what drives the ratings up, too, because you're waiting for that moment. You're waiting for that you know, upset or that crazy play or something that's going to throw the game. And, yeah, that Lynch run was <laughs> unbelievable. I was listening to the radio here, and uh, the Steve Grable, the announcer, just went nuts. The voice cracked. It was Peter Brady moment for him. He's like, <laughs> touchdown! That was great. It was just classic radio. So there were some coaching moves this week as well in the last week. Jim Harbaugh, he's with the Niners now. We knew he was going to the NFL. You knew he was going to leave Stanford. I said that there's no way he could top this past season at Stanford. They weren't going to go undefeated and win a national championship. He'd done everything he could do. He had a number of different places throwing money at him. So he signs with the Niners, $5 million a year for six years. Stanford, their offensive coordinator, David Shaw, promoted to head coach to replace Jim Harbaugh. Ron Rivera, 
who's been the defensive coordinator for the Chargers. He's the new head coach of the Carolina Panthers. And Pat Shermer, he is now with the Browns. And here's an interesting tidbit. Mike Holmgren runs the Browns organization. He is the same agent as Shermer. So we tell you all the time about a lot of these marriages happen because of people sharing the same agents or good relationships with the agents. I'm not saying Pat Shermer's not a good coach, but I'm sure having the same agent as the guy that he's now working for, Mike Holmgren, certainly didn't hurt matters at all. In the college ranks, Brady Hoke is going to be coaching Michigan, and Les Miles, just because he flirted with Michigan, he gets a new seven-year deal with LSU. He's going to roughly make the same amount of money, $3.75 million a year. But, you know, the interesting thing, Griggs, is you look at someone like Pete Carroll, who's paid $6 million a year by Paul Allen, the multi-billionaire. Look what he's done up in Seattle in one season. They win a division title. They win a playoff game. And if you can come in and turn a franchise around quickly, you can make yourself a lot of money in the NFL. I think what works with Pete Carroll, he's, he's such an excitable guy. You watch him on the sidelines, he's just bumping, he's jumping, he's hugging his players, and it's fun to watch him. And I, I even like the, the TV guys, they love it because they go to Pete Carroll and he's pumping up somebody. And I think that's what it gets you know the athletes, the fans into that excitement. And if you're on the left coast like we are, you watched Harbaugh at Stanford play Carroll at USC. Now they're going to go head-to-head in the same division in the pros, the Niners. Seahawks, both guys, lots of passion and energy. That will be fun to watch. Coming up next, Rachel Barbeau. She's covered the SEC for a number of years. She's with Tide Sports Extra. We'll talk to her about the BCS National Championship game, about the SEC, and about the landscape of college football in general. That's coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Podcast this show and any other past SBR episode at sportsbusinessradio.com. Back with more SBR after this. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is NBA Commissioner David Stern. I thought you did a wonderful job of handling the game ball situation. You listened to your players and the owners, and ultimately I thought you got it right. What did you learn from that experience? It probably pays to go the extra step to build a consensus, even though you don't think there's any other view that makes sense. My guest is Jack Nicholas. What are the main lessons the game of golf can teach us if we pay close enough attention? You develop relationships with people. I think you play 18 holes of golf with somebody. You get to know them pretty well. We're joined by Bill Hancock. He's the executive director of the BCS. What we want is for the best two teams to play in the championship game. Beyond that, I'm not sure it's really fair to say what's good for the BCS or or what's bad for the BCS. Follow us at sportsbusinessradio.com and on Twitter at SB Radio. This is Sports Business Radio. My guest is Rachel Barbeau. She's with Tide Sports Extra. You can check her out at TideSportsExtra.com or RachelBarbeau.com. Rachel's been covering the Southeastern Conference for the last six years. First time she's joining us here on Sports Business Radio. Rachel, Happy New Year. Thanks for joining us on Sports Business Radio. Oh, thank you so much, Brian. I'm, I'm thrilled to be with you guys, and happy 2011 to you. So, Rachel, this is the first time in 70 
years that different universities from the same state have won college football's national championship. Alabama won last year. Auburn won this past Monday night. What makes the state of Alabama such a football powerhouse? You know, I think it just start, they start early in Alabama. Not that they don't start early anywhere else, but, you know, football just means something on a whole completely different level uh, than I believe it does anywhere else, especially in the South. But, but Alabama... For certain, um, people start, you know, they peewee football, and they're like, oh, is he going to be a defensive end? Is he going to be a quarterback? You know, at that level, and, and people are very serious about it here. I mean, we'll get divorces over who you pull for. I graduated from Auburn. Now I cover Alabama. That has ruffled people's feathers. People believe that I actually, you know, go into my job on a daily basis, you know, with an Auburn slant. So, you know, people take it to another level here. They eat, they breathe, they sleep football. When football season's over, they start looking towards the draft. They start looking towards recruiting. They start looking, you know, for the next year. And so it's just and not to say that the passion is any less anywhere else, Brian. It's just amped up here for sure. The SEC remains undefeated in BCS National Championship games. They've won more than half of the BCS National Championship games now. What is it about the SEC that has made them so dominant when playing other conferences for the college football championship? You no, know, I think that the the league, you know, obviously from Mike Slide down, the league is just is is, is tops. I mean, we they've proved that every year, and you know, I think that. Uh, the speed of the league, the defenses. Nobody plays defense like the SEC does, and, and that's proven. I mean, I heard one of your, uh, your earlier shows, and you were talking about the, the fiasco with Ticket City and StubHub and how offense sells tickets, and it surely does because it was the most sought-after ticket, I think you said, you know, in history. But in the, in the long run, what that game came down to was, was some really good defensive stops and, and lack thereof, and uh, I think you saw what the, you know, what the SEC defense was all about. And also, you know, you look at when coaching searches happen around the country, and a lot of times they, they come to the SEC, you know, NFL coaches are looking this way. Uh, something special is going on down here. Mike Slive can, you know, the commissioner of the SEC can definitely puff his, his chest out because uh, it's unprecedented. It's absolutely unprecedented. And if you are a, you know, a fan of the SEC, it's a, a reason and a time to be proud and to cherish it. And if you're not, you're kind of scratching your head and going, okay, we got really close, but we need to figure out exactly what they're doing down there, what they're putting in the water down there so we can have the same kind of dominance. You look at a coach like Les Miles at LSU who had the opportunity, according to multiple reports, to go to Michigan this past week, but he decided to stay at LSU. He got a new contract for his flirtation with Michigan, which I found interesting, but it seems like the cream of the crop coaches, like you said, Les Miles, you've got Nick Saban, uh, you know, the list goes on and on. Urban Meyer was there. They all want to coach in the SEC, and they're all getting paid top dollar. If you go down the list of top paid college football coaches, most of those coaches are coaching in the SEC. How easy is it to recruit to the SEC because they are winning so many BCS national championships? How easy is it to recruit a player to the SEC? Yeah, I mean, as opposed to like the Pac-10 or the Big Ten, or it would seem to me if if I've got one of those coaches who's got a few rings on his finger and they've got the the track record they have in BCS national championship games, if that coach comes and sits in my living room as compared to a Pac-10 coach or a Big Ten coach or an ACC coach, I might pay a little bit more attention to the SEC coach. And I think you're absolutely right. You're you're on to something. First, on your first point, I, I've got to commend you. You had a tweet the other day about coaches and all they have to do is flirt with another school and they get a pay raise we know that to be true i mean tommy tuberville's name comes up and in a lot of coaching searches he gets raises he gets other jobs houston nut the same happens with him so i think that's interesting but back to your point about recruiting 
Absolutely. All you have to do is look at the SEC versus, you know, other other schools. No disrespect to Pac-10 or, you know, the Big Ten, but look at what uh, look at what happened with the Big Ten minus Ohio State in the bowl game. I mean, what happened with Michigan State and Alabama was at the end of that game horrible to watch. I mean, it was it was very painful to watch. They knocked two quarterbacks out of that game down to the third quarterback, and the speed, the defensive speed was was apparent. So I think all you yeah all you have to do is as an SEC coach is say, look, we've won the pass. You know, five national championships, you know, if you're ready to play. Look, this is no joke in the SEC, and this is no disrespect to any other conference, but you've got to come to play every single week. You're going to get your best from Vanderbilt. You're going to get your best from Mississippi State. Dan Mullen has gone over there and totally reformed that program. Look at what Manny Diaz has done. And now he's, you know, he's getting his chops elsewhere. So, you know, every single week, there's not a down week. And, and I don't care even though the East was down, uh, the conference as a whole, especially the West this year, was, was completely dominant. So that's all you have to say to a kid. Just lay out your fingers right there. Show them your rings. Show them the strength of the conference and uh, and say, hey, you ready to play? The other thing that I think is interesting, Rachel, is in the SEC, and maybe you can describe this a little bit for our listeners, but they're playing before crowds of 90,000 plus week in and week out. Every game is such a meaningful game, as you just said. So it's almost like when they go to the BCS National Championship or to a bowl game, they've been there before. They've seen those types of crowds. And I think it gives them an advantage over maybe some of the other conferences where you're not playing in that type of atmosphere week in and week out. Absolutely. You know, when you when you are practicing and you have been there, you know, it's just exactly like a, a football player practicing and then going, well, I've had game experience. Do you see what I'm saying? You have to have game experience. There's nothing like live fire. Now, you, you have live fire and game experience in front of 90,000 people screaming, raucous fans. You've got Bryant Denny, for example, where I cover Alabama. They've covered, they've closed it in the end zone this year, so it's even louder. Um, you know, and and there's no substitute for that. There's absolutely no substitute for that. So you get a team that comes to play against the SEC in a bowl game or, or whatever it is, and or, or coming to their stadium, and they're used to playing, you know, in front of 30, 40 uh, fans that you know really love football, but just they don't take it to the level of religion like a lot of people do down here. It's a certainly a, a different atmosphere. Your offense has to change. The communication along your offensive line has to change. You really have to, you know, have your, your you know, snap count down. You have to know what's going on. You have to, you know, you have to be all on the same page uh, or else you're not going to be able to play in that type of atmosphere because it's 90,000, it's 80,000, it's 70,000 plus week in and week out. In your opinion, here's a tough question for you, toughest crowd, loudest crowd in the SEC. You've covered the SEC for several years now. Who has the best home crowd of any team in the SEC? Hands down, LSU. LSU at night. Um, LSU during the day, tough. Absolutely, Death Valley. A couple of years ago, uh, they there was a game there that registered on the Richter scale. Uh, and the, the crowd was so loud, the crowd noise, uh, the movement, everything, it was so loud, it registered on a nearby Richter scale. I mean, that is insane. You, if you've ever been to New Orleans, and Brian, I'm sure you have, you know what happens down with the Cajuns. They get their gumbo, they get their, you know, their brown water, they get, they get all the things that they like to do, and they get, they get ready all day. And sometimes they're getting ready from the night before. You get LSU at night, and it is a, it's just a magical place. It's you got to be careful. Um, you know, people have, uh, people have gone overboard, and you know, and and. Um, 
Uh, it's 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 gotten scary down there. Let me just say, but for the most part, I will say it's all fun and games, and and LSU is definitely that place. We're joined by Rachel Barbeau. She's with Tide Sports Extra. Find her online at tidesportsextra.com or rachelbarbeau.com. Rachel's covered the SEC for the last six years. Rachel. If you listen to this show, I am a proponent of a playoff system in Division One college football, and I am not at all a fan of the current BCS system. You can't argue with the attendance they got for the BCS National Championship game, the TV ratings, highest rated college football game in the history of cable TV, but I still wonder... You know, you had Stanford playing some terrific ball at the end of the year. TCU beats Wisconsin in the Rose Bowl. I look at Division II college football where a number five seed made it all the way to the national championship game. Give me your thoughts on the current Division I college football BCS system. I think it's, you know, it's an elite game. I think that sadly there are those that are left out. I think TCU, who knows what could have been. You know, I went to Auburn and and, uh, and – in the grand scheme of things, when, when you look at what Auburn's done in comparison to Alabama, they're kind of like the redheaded stepchild of the, of the state. And so while I you know, grew up with a stepdad who loved Alabama and, and known all about Alabama and appreciate them, I know what, you know, what it's like to, you know, to, to look across and see somebody else uh, you know, getting the victors and the spoils, if you will. And so for me, I've always pulled for the underdog, and I've always said, you know, okay, you know, what if? What if I like the Cinderella team? I like the George Mason so why not give those guys a shot? And now you've got, you know, TCU, they're going to line up with the Big East. And the last really, you know, uh, non-automatic qualifier to step up is, is Boise State. So everybody's going to be looking to them. You've got Peterson staying there. But I, I think that, you know, I think it's sad. And I think it's also sad. I, I listened to your um, parts of your interview with Bill Hancock. And I think it's also sad that, and it shocked me, that they have not even done the research on a playoff. It, it blew my mind, Brian. And I think that... Really deep down, they know that it's it's coming to an end. They know that it's going to be 2014 potentially till the you know till new television contract. But I think they realize that their system is archaic, even though it's fairly new. That there are you know that it's not fair. Uh, that it is an elite club that it leaves people out, and that you know even though it's worked for the past couple of years, you do have situations like 2004 when Auburn got left out. Even though they didn't do themselves any favors by scheduling a very soft non-conference schedule, they still got left out of the chance to play for it. And it's happened, okay? So I believe that the, you know, and it was furthermore, it, it, it made me believe it even more when I heard him say that they have not even done the research for a playoff because it's almost like they're sticking their head in the sand, okay? Like maybe this will pass, maybe this will go away, maybe it will be quiet, and they'll, you know, they'll start to like the BCS. Well, no, they're not. They're not going to. I think the fervor is just going to get louder. I think that, you know, as we get, you know, closer to the, uh, the time for those television contracts to come up, I think change is upon us. And so uh, I think it's, you know, it's not a good system. I think obviously it's worked out to, uh, to the advantage of the BCS for a past couple of years, and you have seen who you believe was, a new, you know, would be the true national champion. But like you said, Stanford, TCU, playing some really, really good ball. And I think also that, you know, the, the record attendance, it only held 60,000 uh, down in Arizona, number one. Two, I think you also have Oregon, who hasn't been in, you know, since who knows when. And Auburn hasn't been in the national championship since 1957. So both those fan bases travel very well. And they're obviously going to sell out that place. Yeah, you know, I think that, you know, that, that added to the, uh, the attendance record and the ratings. People, the ratings, people love offense. Just like you said, they tuned in for it. It was a great matchup, and it lived up to its bill. 
But I hope, just like you, we go to some sort of playoff system so that we can crown a true national champion. Yeah, the most stunning thing to me from my conversation with Bill Hancock last week is that, like you just said, they have not done research. They haven't done a cost analysis on how much money is being left on the table with the current system as opposed to a playoff system. And you heard the soundbite that I played for Mr. Hancock during the interview of Jim Delaney, the Big Ten commissioner, talking about how this system is leaving hundreds of millions of dollars on the table. And in a day and age where athletic departments are crying poor and saying we're losing money, how can you leave hundreds of millions of dollars on the table? I, I found that stunning from my conversation last week. And, and it doesn't it blow your mind? I mean, you would think that you would think a lot of things have blown my mind about the BCS, the field being one of them. I mean, the other night, the field being in such poor conditions, how in the world are you, is this the national title game, the biggest game in all the land, and that's the conditions that you're, the field is in? There are high school games, Brian, that are in better conditions in that field. And, you know, the BCS, and, and we know it, or the BS, as some people call it, no disrespect to Mr. Hancock, because he, he is a nice person. But it's all about rewarding some people, and there are some people, some schools that are left out. And, you know, I think we are we may be taking baby steps, but I think we're getting closer to the time where we get on the same page and the cries of, of you know, some people in the media, of the – you know, of, of, of schools that are left out, of, of different people are getting louder and louder, and they can't, you know, they can't not listen to them anymore. Well, as he told me last week, three years left on the BCS contract with ESPN. They're in year one this year, so no changes until that contract runs out. But it doesn't mean that they can't do their due diligence and maybe prepare for a playoff system after the three-year contract runs out. We will see. Last question for you, Rachel. Uh, you know, you're there in Alabama. A lot of people this week, after Auburn wins the national championship, I see tweets, I see columns written, hey, Cam Newton, he's going to be the same as Reggie Bush. He's going to have to give back his Heisman. Auburn's going to have to vacate the national championship. We have not heard the last of the Cecil Newton, Cam Newton story. Do you think we've heard the last of it, or do you think there's more to come? I don't think we've heard the last of it, sadly, because now, you know, now it's going back and forth between his lawyers and he said, she said about, uh, about, you know, whether he was given a ticket to the game. You know, Jay Jacobs said before the game, you know, they mutually agreed. Last time when I heard the word mutually, it means both people agree that, you know, he wasn't at the game. Well, all of a sudden, then there's an Opelika Auburn uh, uh, photographer that catches him, a picture of him hugging Cam. You see Cam looking for him afterwards. Then... Uh, his lawyer comes out and says he was watching it at a separate location and came into the game at the end of the game. Now, why is this all important? It's important because, you know, with the NCAA investigation, Auburn and the, and the, the, the whole situation, he was not supposed to be around the program. He was not supposed to be at games. And so now he is. And, and I just think it's bringing more heat, more fire for Auburn. And it's very sad. Um, what should be a great time? What should be, a, you know, a very wonderful, you know, exciting time for them is a time when their PR machine is having to ramp up and explain these things. And I think the NCAA did themselves a great disservice by creating a really huge gaping loophole, which, you know, is going to allow unscrupulous parents to go try to shop their kids and say, well, the kid didn't know about it. And if they don't change that, you know, they're going to have major problems. But I also think that, you know, there might be more to this. I think there's reporters that are still sniffing around you know, and, and we don't know what the where the money came from, if it was funneled into a church or, you know, his church or, or what happened. But, you know, here's my stance on it. 
until you show me definitive evidence that Cam Newton knew, I'm not willing to crucify him. So, therefore, if I had had a Heisman vote, I would have voted for him because I would have rather voted for him and had it taken back than not vote for him, Brian, and find out in the end that he was innocent. Because for every Barry Bonds, for every you know situation, Roger Clemens out there, there's a Duke lacrosse team. There is situations, or excuse me, there are situations in which you know they they are innocent. And so for me, Cecil Newton appears to be guilty. Cecil Newton appears to be the worst kind of father that would pimp his son out, and that is really sad. But right now, I don't know if Cam Newton is guilty. I don't know if he knew. So until we know that, I'm not willing to throw the baby out with the bathwater, and I don't think anybody else should be either. Yeah, I guess I've got two takes on this. Number one, if I'm USC, I'm really upset. If I'm Pat Hayden, the AD at USC, I'm not happy about this at all, because by this logic, if Reggie Bush had just said, well, I didn't know about it, it was my parents that were making these deals, then USC would have never got put on probation, and Reggie Bush probably still has his Heisman Trophy. The other thing is, you know, it's what I call the eyeball test. The eyeball test tells me that Cam Newton and his father are very, very close, to the point where Cecil Newton is coming to the national championship game the other night. If they're that close... I find it very hard to believe that Cam knew nothing about his father shopping him. I don't have concrete evidence. It's just the eyeball test. It's just a guess. If you ask me the same question I just asked you, I would say we've probably not heard the end of this story. I think you're absolutely right. And I think on your first point, the, the difference is, is well, what people will tell you, the difference is, is in the Reggie Bush case, money did actually exchange hands. In the Cam Newton case, there were only, um, you know, there were only, uh, there were overtures, is the word I was looking for, for money to exchange hands. And actually, money, at this point, we do not know exchanged hands. He tried to get money for his son to play at Mississippi State, okay? So what people will say, the difference there is, is in, at USC, money did change hands. They got apartments. They got, you know, they got put up. They got all these different things, okay? And, and, and in this situation, there were only overtures, okay? So that's the difference there. And as, as for the eyeball test, I hear you. I hear you. I've been covering sports long enough to see pigs fly, to see hell freeze over. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, stranger things have happened. You know, and, and that could be the case that, that, you know, Cam knew, or it could be a situation where his father did all of this. And while it's very hard to believe, you've got to put it out there and look at both sides just like the BCS should, there could be a situation where his father did this. He did it just himself knowing. His wife didn't know. His son didn't know. And he's trying to get the money for his son. That he's that slimy. And he didn't. He did not tell his son. While it seems very unbelievable, there is a possibility. And in sports, we need to always look at both sides. Always know both sides of the coin and both sides of the argument. And and that's what's out there, Brian. But I feel you. I feel you. There's a lot of people that feel like you that would this would not pass the smell test or the eyeball test. Rachel Barbeau, TideSportsExtra.com. RachelBarbeau.com. Rachel, how can people follow you on Twitter? They can follow me at Rachel Barbeau on Twitter, and I. I just going to tell you, I'm a self-professed tweetaholic, Twitterholic, whatever you call it. I, I love it. I love to pass on good information. Uh, I love to amuse you. I love to enlighten you and to, uh, and to, and to help you know more about sports and uh, from the best and biggest names in business, including myself, little old me. But, uh, but I like to tweet. Rachel, thank you so much for making time to join us on Sports Business Radio this week. Thanks. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Stay in touch with SBR on Twitter, twitter.com slash SB Radio.
This is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. Every championship team has one thing in common, good coaching. And I want to be your coach, your media coach. When I'm not hosting Sports Business Radio, I team with former Nike PR director Lee Weinstein to form New School Media Coaching. New School Media Coaching uses a fresh and interactive approach for educating our clients about dealing with today's media landscape. Whether you're an athlete, a coach, or a front office executive in the sports or business world, we'll prepare you for communications with the masses in today's social media world where everything is on the record. And just like any good coach, we'll help you practice your new skills and we'll be there to provide constructive feedback every step of the way. With a combined 40 years of experience, we're veteran coaches, but we use a new school approach. For an overview and a list of our services, visit newschoolmediacoaching.wordpress.com or email me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com. The website is sportsbusinessradio.com. Well, Showtime is in early discussions to do a docu-series that focuses on Major League Baseball's San Francisco Giants that would be similar to HBO's Hard Knocks. This according to Lynette Rice of Entertainment Weekly. HBO's Hard Knocks series featuring the New York Jets last summer, I watched that, averaged 4.6 million viewers. Griggs, the Giants have a number of entertaining personalities in their locker room, from relief pitcher Brian Wilson to Tim Lincecum to Pat Burrell. I think it'd be an entertaining series, and I would watch it. For sure. I'm all there. I mean, I love that behind-the-scenes stuff, and you get to know the athletes that way. Great for a fan, um, and it's just fun. And Showtime does a great job of producing those things, too. I mean, you get so many different angles and people talking to different people. It's fun, definitely. All right, lots of thank yous on our show this week. Rachel Barbeau from Tide Sports Extra and rachelbarbeau.com. Our show staff, Brian Griggs, Josh Blank, Jared Melzer, Darren Peck, Ron Barr, James Harris, and Doug Zanger. Our sponsors, the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon, Kalkoff Bikes, and New School Media Coaching. A podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand via podcast every week. Just go to Sports Business Radio, click on the podcast page, or click on the iTunes icon. I'm on Twitter at SB Radio. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a fantastic week, and we'll talk to you next week right here on Sports Business Radio. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. It's no secret that we're battling a tough economy these days. It's more difficult than ever for companies to position their brand in a unique way and reach their target audience. Sports Business Radio can help you, though. Sports Business Radio is syndicated in markets nationwide. Our popular podcast is regularly rated in the top 100 business news podcasts on iTunes and has listeners around the world. But our radio network and podcast aren't the only places your company will receive exposure when you join our family of sponsors. We'll also give you exposure via sportsbusinessradio.com and at our new Sports Executive Speaker Series events, which feature a conversation with a key decision maker from the world of sports in front of a live audience. And best of all, we can expose your product to the big-name guests that appear on our show. We'd love to have you on our team. Please contact me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com 
www.thepatriotmobile.com or at 503-701-2215 if you're interested in becoming a sponsor of Sports Business Radio.